0: You're listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond.
1: Welcome
0: to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 121 White Snake, Ready and Willin'. And coming to you from the post op suburbs of Chicago, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry. And coming to you from the Ready and willing suburbs of Providence. I'm your co-host, John Dandelion, T. Dandelion Tea Matola. Dandelion tea—is that some sort of like herbal nonsense that you're yeah. drinking, or
2: <laughs> herbal nonsense? <laughs> well, just go ahead and make fun of my tea, mate.
0: Are you? I don't um, see any tea. Yeah. Are you drinking it?
2: No, I already drank. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, unlike you, I don't like to drink during the episodes because I don't like to go for pee breaks. I just like to go right through and. Just bang yeah, it out for it. i don't like to go five five three point <laughs> five two okay so
0: um, let's get, out, let's get this um, up. <laughs> let's
2: get this over let's with. get this gotta over gotta get with pain. all right good night everybody um no i um i recently recently um came across a uh i think it's roasted dandelion tea mm-hmm. actually it tastes pretty good roasted it doesn't um, sound like it would i don't yes. think i've ever
0: had it. it doesn't sound like it would taste very good
2: uh no, it's it's kind of um it's kind of nutty with bitter notes as it says on the side of the box. <laughs> um and they're not wrong. No, it sounds like to me um, it tastes like grass but,
0: clippings. Yeah.
2: Um uh, no. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, kind of, but oh, no. I'm glad it doesn't. Um yeah, no, I um I had um I had read that it um aids in digestion and reduces bloating. Oh,
0: I could use both of those. Although it might be easier <laughs> just to not eat like a goddamn pig. <laughs> Or you could drink. Or you could drink the tea. <laughs> <laughs> how much? How much tea do, do I need to counteract my incredibly bad? You know, I was doing really well. I was doing the bike every day, and I was, I was, mm-hmm. I was watching my calories and everything. And then just like the whole COVID stress and everything got to me, and I just started stress eating, and I just can't stop. I need. To, I need to stop. Mm. But well, you know, it's. It's it's a thing, you know. You'll you'll get there. And man. I was like, yeah, maybe tomorrow I'll do it. I I I, I gone down a notch on the belt like I was like, whoa, I, I never could access this notch on my belt. This is great and I just let it all go to crap. <laughs> I just You got to do something to cope with the stress. And for me it's sweets. Well, hey, I'm right there with you, buddy. Yep. That's why they call all all right, you
2: sweets. So what's this uh po- <laughs> sweets matola? That'll be my uh oh, man. All right. Well, I already used it. So we'll figure out something else. Um. What's with um post op suburbs? I know. Oh yes.
0: Well, yeah. As you know, but our, our listeners don't. So yeah, you know, we had a kind of a little emergency. and We went uh, we went camping on Saturday night when the heat was uh it was about ninety ninety five. the The heat index was one hundred and two and uh which is about like 40 degrees celsius for all of you europeans out there so you know we've had like temperatures in the low 70s all all month and then all of a sudden boom it spikes up to 90 something and we went camping with the the kids uh, and it was just a miserable night got no sleep i was like oh and then the next morning my my son wasn't feeling too good i thought oh it's just from the being out in the heat and everything and then you you know he just kept Getting worse and worse, and then ended. We ended up the night taking him to the ER, and next afternoon he had his appendix taken out at nine years old. Appendix free. So it was a it was Yikes. a it was a rocky Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. But um, he's hmm. he's he's recovering pretty well now. It's a few days later, and he's hunched over like a little old man walking around because he's a little sore. As you <laughs> as you well know from having your appendix out, better than I do.
2: Oh yeah. That was, uh, that was no fun. Uh, Unlike him. Uh, I had mine out when I was, uh, 36. Mm. (laughs) So that was, uh, that wasn't great. It was like, um, started with the pain in my back. And Mm -hmm. I thought it was like, you know, when you first get that pain in your back, you kind of do this kind of thing. And you're like, oh man, I think I'm getting that kind of like achy, like flu Mm -hmm. back pain thing. So I was holding my back like all day at work, like kind of like, man, that doesn't feel right. And, and, you know, so I went home and, um, it just, it didn't feel right. You know, it was one of those things where you're like, I know, I know my body. I went to the, an urgent care and they were like, oh, you're constipated. And I'm like, yeah, great. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> um
0: And it didn't feel like That's, exa- then that's I, exactly the same thing they said about my son. Oh, he's got constipation. I'm like, uh, I don't know. Like,
3: don't yeah, know. here's a couple I'm, of laxatives. Yeah. I'm
0: not a have doctor. Have a nice day. I'm not a doctor, yeah, exactly. but I don't think, I don't think that's a
2: I mean, I get it, right? It's just, like, they have to sure. go through all of the the easy things before they decide to, like, you know, freaking, you know, laser, laser, you know, you open and, like, you know, yank out an organ, right? They want to be sure.
0: Sure, yeah, you don't so, just go into that
2: willy-nilly. But, I mean, they could have done more, you know? Like, he didn't even, like, press and feel around, mm-hmm. you know, my abdomen area. He's just like, hey, you know, you're full of shit. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Figuratively and, and literally. <laughs> Next morning, I woke up and I couldn't. I it hurt to even lift my leg to get out of bed, and I knew something was wrong. And,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, just like you, like several hours later, I was spending the night in the hospital, uh, appendix free, and intermittently, like uh, drifting in and out of sleep, watching Law and Order SVU, which is always on. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. My son was in the. Luckily, the hospital near us has a very, very nice pediatric ER and um it's just all like decorated nice and they've got these great rooms with you know TVs where they he was watching like SpongeBob and stuff he was just kind of like zoning out cuz i think they had him on morphine or something so he was just like watching <laughs> watching SpongeBob and just being like Ugh. um but yeah they're really it's a really nice we're lucky we lived lift us next to such a nice place um so, but some years ago speaking of the appendix i um I don't know if I told you this, but I went I went in because I was having abdominal pain, and I went in, and they were they were like, "Oh, we think it's your appendix." Press on. Ooh, wow, oh, that hurts. Okay, they did the ultrasound. Oh, hmm, that's weird. Uh, we're gonna need to do a CAT scan. So they put put me in the CAT scan thing, do the whole thing, and um, I come out of the machine, and the the, the guy's like, "So." I'm- I, have you ever had your appendix removed? And I was like, No, I would have brought that up when you said you thought it was my appendix. Uh, and also, you see, I don't have any scars. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have and one. And he's like, Well, here's the funny thing: we can't find your appendix. So I may not have an appendix. I may, have been, I may have been born without an <laughs> appendix. I don't know. But the the the, the well, the, using multiple different pieces of equipment at the at a you know pretty nice hospital, they could not find my appendix. So. I guess I'll know if it um, ever hmm. gets appendicitis. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if it ever reappears. Not.
2: Well, I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's one of those organs that uh, as far as I know, is it doesn't really have a purpose. So, I mean, I guess not having one is good because you can never have a yeah, exactly that'll be
0: good yeah my son was like he came out of surgery he's like i never want to go camping again and i'm like well it wasn't the camping that caused this <laughs> oh, no. like it's okay and he's oh, like no he's like, he's like i never want this to happen again i was like well good news <laughs> it can never happen again it so won't you're, yeah you're good you're good but oh man so anyway yeah it stinks it for was, him um, So now it's like yeah. it's the end of july he can't go swimming for like at least three or four oh, weeks, man. and he can't. So he, you know, he's been he's been just kind of kicking around the house. I think he's getting a little bored. But I'm, I'll get the day off tomorrow, so I'm gonna spend it with him and do something fun around the house anyway. But oh, that's good. But anyway, anyway, that's a lot of appendix talk. Um, the append our, our appendicitis podcast will have to be put on hold as we. Um, We talk to you about the show, and uh, hey, if you want to help support the show, you can do so a few quick and easy ways. One is leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Number two, you can buy merch at our Etsy store, including our t-shirts and mugs. T-shirts. Mugs. For those of you on the video feed. Um what's in there? What's in my mug? Oh, batteries. (laughs) How about that? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Usually it's tea, but that's my battery mug, apparently. Uh, You can also become a patron on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. You can help support the show, keep us in good uh, deep purple um, albums and equipment and all that sort of stuff and help keep the show running. You can also support us on PayPal if you wish to do so. And speaking of the people that support us, Heyo! We have a patron upgrade. Um, Michael Vader is upgrading from the $1 silly made up name tier to get this. He's creating a new tier and that's the $7 and 77 cent. Keep it warm rat tier. Very nice. Oh, I like that. Yeah, thank you, Michael Vader. I think with the name of that tier too, we should have a lot of interested people that want to jump up to that tier. Uh, but right now, Michael Vader owns it. He's created it. Um, thank you so much, Michael, for your continued support. Um, he's 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 keeping Michael Vader as far as I know. So some of these these silly made up name uh, silly made up names are graduating into different tiers, but they're keeping the silly made up names. So uh, we, we 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 enjoy that. that. We enjoy the made up names and we like seeing them in I'm all patron levels. Speaking of other patrons at the turn it up to $11 tier, we have Clay Wambacher, Frank Teelgard Mortensen, Alan ate <laughs> too proud to beg. There we go. And I got it out. And at the $10 someone came tier. Steve Seaborg of name on anything.com and all the world's stage.net Ryan M Jeff Bryce, Gerald Kelly and Victor compost. Thank you to all of you. For your continued support of the Deep Purple Podcast, we couldn't do it without you. Um, Also, make sure to check out deepdivepodcastnetwork.com and the Deep Dive Podcast Network Twitter feed, where all of our great shows are um, represented. We we really appreciate all of the great shows in our network, Um, just to name a few. Let me open the list here, because I know I'll, I'll surely forget one if I don't look at it. So right now in the Deep Dive Podcast Network, we have... Oh my goodness, where is it? We have T-Bone's Prime Cuts on the other side, The Magician's Podcast, In the Lap of the Pods, Hawk Binge, Maiden A to Z, Skinnered Reconsidered, Sabbath Bloody Podcast, and of course, yours truly, The Deep Purple Podcast. Thank you so much. No new Apple reviews, Apple Podcast reviews, but of course, leave us a five-star review and we'll be sure to read it on the next episode. And then, um, well... <laughs> We've been talking about this. Um the Dead Daisies are coming. You're coming to visit and flying out here um to go see the Dead Daisies September 11th, 2021. Yeah. Um the way things are going, I hope that that still happens. Um when we Oh my god. I, I know, know, right? When we when we bought tickets like a few weeks ago, it seemed like a whole new world. Everything was getting better and now it's just like things just keep getting worse every day. So hopefully it doesn't <laughs> get canceled.
2: Jump the gun. <laughs> yeah, I know,
0: right? But uh, hey maybe at worst case scenario maybe you still come and visit and we, we can we can watch a dead daisies video in my basement or something i don't know but <laughs>
1: <laughs> so
0: oh we, man so that, could, what a poor substitute for the real thing yeah so we could do it we could do a a zoom meetup who knows I don't know. It stinks. I'm I'm getting a little nervous, but we do have a, yeah, about a month, five weeks or so until the show as far as recording this. So hopefully it still goes on as planned, but we will see. Yep. Alright, so this week we are talking about none other than Whitesnake Ready and Willing so, John, what's your history with Ready and Willing? Ready
2: and Willing—it's one of the many White Snake albums, as I've um, mentioned before. That I—I I got in some kind of like chronological disorder, you know. It's um, can't remember when I got it, but my impression on seeing it was is that it was the most like. Put together White Snake album because I feel like all the other, I don't know, like cassettes and everything I got just by looking at the album covers were like, it kind of looked like a little cheap, I guess you could say, you know, mm-hmm. like at, at the time it was just like you know the drawings of the snakes and everything, and then you just saw this really like this, you know, the the black and white cover with all the guys on it. And I was just like, all right, you know, and then I saw the, uh, you know, uh, Fool for Your Lovin' on there and. Um, I don't know, just all the, all the songs and everything also, I felt like this was the album where they came into their own, like, as far as I was concerned in terms of like finding the, the sound, having strong songs, like, you know, it being the most cohesive, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, cause this, I believe was the first of the classic lineup because you basically had like three members of like Mark four and Mark five on here.
0: Mark 3 and Mark I'm 4. I'm sorry, yeah. Mark
2: 3 and Mark 4. What am I talking yeah. about? Mark 3 and 4, not 4 and, five. JLT and 4. JLT, unfortunately,
0: did not make it for um, this album. <laughs> 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 competing. Yeah,
2: competing Mark vocalists Mark 3 and Mark 4. A, I got my marks mixed, uh, mixed up. Yeah, but that was always fascinating to me to like think about, like, you know, back before we, you know, were able to dissect the family tree and, and go online and everything. It's just, it's just like, wow, this is what, like, you know, like three fits of deep purple would sound like, you know, or that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So if they were still around today, you know, that, that was like, that was pretty cool. So, um, yeah, I really, I really remember liking this album and I think I got the deluxe like CD, like, you know, part of the nineties, like remasters that we got. I'm pretty sure we got, I got it in the nineties and I think I have the vinyl of it too. I mean, I really like this one. So
0: well, I do have the vinyl, as you can see behind me. Thanks to our good friend Norman Weichelbaum yes. sending uh, sending me that giant box of a vinyl. So I didn't own I don't think I owned any White Snake vinyl before that box arrived, and now I got quite a nice collection. Mm-hmm. So it's really, a, or I should say, we have a nice collection. We're sharing it. Mm. <laughs> I've yet to enjoy it. Yet to, so have I, I haven't pl- played any of Maybe it in yet. September. Yeah, exactly. We, we take some. Maybe of maybe respects. in
2: September when we when we don't see the dead daisies and we have like a three or four day like a record fest in your basement <laughs> in, in its place. Yeah, with my kids can't do With my kids
0: else. barging in every three seconds. But um I don't, don't worry. Uh, Uncle John I, Uncle John will take care of that. I'm gonna be honest, I don't have much of a um <laughs> a, yeah. I don't have much of a, a history with this album. I it was one of those ones that kind of eluded me. I didn't have it. I had Love Hunter, I had uh, the CDs are behind me. I can't see, but I had a few of them, and because w- it was one of those things when I found out John Lord and Ian Pace were in White Snake, I was like, oh, "I gotta get some of this album." And I got some and got distracted and never, never got like the whole set or anything. But um, I don't have <laughs> I have a big, big history with this album. Um, but uh, obviously, like all the White Snake stuff, I really, really dig it. Um, I just haven't heard it as many times as some of the other ones. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was, it wasn't part of my collection until much more recently. I just kind of, I had heard it. I might've like heard your copy and stuff like that, but I never, I didn't really own it until uh, more recently. So a little background mm-hmm. on this album, as we discussed on our previous episode on love Hunter, um, Ian Pace had joined right after love Hunter, like when they finished recording and David Coverdale and, traditional David Coverdale fashion wanted to go in and re-record all the drum stacks, drum tracks with Ian Pace. That was just proving to be, um, more time and money than they were willing to spend, or I should say management was willing to spend, uh, to get that done. So it didn't happen. So, uh, so he joined them right after that album was done. And, uh, they, they left, uh, Dave Dahl on the album. Uh, Bernie Marsden said Pace was coming to see them at a few shows. Um, And then when he asked, uh, Bernie said, he's went up to him and said, Hey, why are you coming to these shows? And he said, well, I'd like to play drums and white snake. (laughs) So cut right to the chase. Um, so Dowell was out um, and Mar- Marsden said they weren't really kind of getting on with Dowell super well at the time. Not that there was any like, hard feelings, but he was he was more of a city guy and they were preferred to kind of be out in the country and uh, horsing around out there. So um, they just kind of parted ways amicably from what I understand. Um, so Pace Ashton Lord. Kind of fell apart and earlier before that, Ian Pace didn't really know what to do. He didn't really consider himself to be like a band leader, like someone who'd started like the Ian Pace band or anything. So he kind of floated around, didn't do much for a few years um, in between Pace and Lord, uh, Pace Ash and Lord, and joining Whitesnake. Uh, Mari suggested Tommy Aldridge for the band at this point before they got Pace. Uh, but no one else in the band had heard of him or knew who he was, so they passed him. So it's interesting that they had considered Tommy Aldridge this early uh, in Whitesnake, but it, it just never came mm. to fruition. Um, mm. And then he'd, of course, go on <laughs> and join Ozzy shortly after this. Um, or Tommy Aldridge. Well, I think he did okay for himself. Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: Oh, yeah. But I mean, I feel like all the stuff that I've read about him and the especially in the Bob Daisley book was just like they were trying to push Tommy Aldridge like onto like the Ozzy band and to like and I think some o- other projects and like they were like some of the musicians were pretty resistant, not because they didn't like him, but because they like they already liked the drummer that they had. So it right. was always... Always seems like like I feel like most of the stuff that I read about Tommy Aldridge, at least in that situation, was is that hey, how about him? And they're like, yeah, <laughs> and
0: it's not like he sucks. I mean, he's legendary, right? You know. Well, so everyone eventually got over any, that, you know. Any any exactly. any sort of Aldridge aversion was gotten over. Um, so uh, Murray said that Pace um, joining the band kind of took them in a different direction, and that the same thing had happened when John Lord. Uh, joined the band uh, the previous year. So they were kind of, every time they got these new member, they went to a different direction, which makes sense. Um, Pace says that White Snake was the funniest band I've ever been in. He tells a story of uh, everyone on stage laughing (laughs) um, because they were... um, they were playing the show and david coverdale was on 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 stage and he's like thrusting his hips and he's got the microphone out and, and i forgot what the words he he says is um he says like something about like the 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 microphone stand and his crotch and everything and then he said like every like, like did bernie marsden and mickey Modi look out and it's just a crowd just a sea full of like 15 year old boys <laughs> Not a not a woman to be seen, and just they all just thought it was hilarious because mm. he says, "Oh, he says he ex- he was extending the mic stand as a part of his personage," <laughs> and they looked at the crowd and saw only fifteen year old <laughs> boys. So it's kind of funny. Um, Mari said, "Real sausage fest out there." <laughs> it was a real sausage fest at the White Snake shows, and probably would have been up until uh, <laughs> the nineteen eighty seven album, right? Murray um, mm. uh, says. Uh, that this wasn't a singer with a backing band. It was a band of equals. He talks about the power behind the band. Murray, Marsden and Moody all had shirts. Uh, so, so, so I guess to your earlier point, obviously at this point, a lot, gets starts getting made of the fact that, Oh, it's three fifths deep purple. A lot of that gets talked about in the press. So Murray, Marsden and Moody all had shirts made that said deep purple on them. But when you got closer, there were spaces between the words and it says, no, I wasn't in deep fucking purple. <laughs> so the three Murray, Marsden and Moody all wore those shirts, um, which I thought was be kind of funny. That'd be really cool to see. Um, I'm sure if York is listening, he'll he'll send me a I should have asked him. He'll probably send me a a message within five minutes with, with a picture of the shirt. Um, he probably has a copy of one or he probably has one of the shirts. Uh, but that would be a really sh- cool shirt to have. So they didn't take kindly to the Deep Purple comparisons and then rumors start swirling around this time. So you got to remember this is 1980. This is right when the the bogus Deep Purple comes on the scene. These rumors start swirling about a Deep Purple reunion um, right around the same time that this album's getting made and then you've, so you've got this rumors like when, and I think we talked about this in a previous episode, Deep Purple reunion, who's it going to be? Is it going to be, and the thought was kind of it was going to be the Mark picking up where they left off and Mark 4 more so than going back to the Mark II, when they ever eventually did have the reunion. So Coverdale said there was no conscious effort to pick up where deep purple left off. Um, that white snake had, uh, and then he says white snake had always been a live band and it didn't always translate well to the album. He says ready and willing was the first time they got it right and gives a lot of the credit to Ian pace. Hmm. So there you go. The personnel, obviously, uh, the only change being Ian Pace. So you got Neil Murray on bass, Ian Pace on drums, Bernie Marsden on guitar, Mickey Moody on guitar, John Lord on keyboards, and of course, none other than David Coverdale on lead vocals. Then producing the album, Killer. we have Martin Basher Birch. He's the Basher on this one. Yeah, yeah, which is which is a good one. That's a bash, That's an oh, that's an often overlooked um, Martin Birch nickname. I think the Basher. Not the basher, I guess, just basher. All right, so we have the album art here, as you kind of alluded to earlier, John. What do you make of this album art? Oh,
1: and, and there, there it is again. It's
0: it's paused. It's once again paused. I don't understand why that happens every time we do this. It has something to do with the, the screen share, but there you go. There's the album cover. Glitch. There we go. Meet the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh
2: no, but um, I, I I really think it's a cool album cover. There's there's not much to it. I mean, one could argue there's really not much to it, but I mean, um, I just think that like looking at it, you have it, it's. I don't know if I'd say it's iconic, but it's for, in in the White Snake catalog, I would say it's a, it's one of the early iconic album covers because you have all of the illustrations of them. you got, I mean, Coverdale uh, looking cool, John Lord looking his most 80s cool. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody looks good on here except for poor, poor Ian Pace got the short end of the stick. It looks like somebody just like, I don't know what it looks like, somebody just like forgot to draw the rest of his face or something <laughs> well,
0: I mean yeah it it does, it's funny'cause they yeah like half of his face is in shadow, and same thing is true of Bernie and John Lord, yeah. but for some reason with Ian Pace, it looks like it looks a little incomplete,
2: yeah, but um i I think it's uh with the the black, white and the grays, it's just um. It's it's very understated, yet it's uh, striking. I feel like when I look at this cover, I feel like there's quality music inside.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, and there is. I am not wrong.
0: Who's beeping their horn over there?
2: Uh, it's a it's a car alarm.
0: Oh, there you go. It's gone. Okay. Um, I tried
2: was- to I tried to mute it. Oh. <laughs> I tried to foot switch mute
0: it and then I called attention to it. So there you go. Um, but yeah, obvi- obvious like meet, meet the Beatles vibes uh, for sure, which is, um, uh, you know, it's, it, it's got the same it. Whereas the, the meet the Beatles thing is, is um, actual photos. This is uh, illustrations or, 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 or like posterized photos. Uh, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um. So it's a little bit more stylized. It's it's very much like, you know, they're trying to cram six guys in there instead of five. Uh, they do the same thing that they did with Ringo. For some reason, they tucked <laughs> Ringo down on the corner. They tucked Ian Pace down on the corner. Um, and it's very, but it's very interesting. It's, it's, it's very monochromatic. You've got black, 60% of the covers black, at least. Then you get the little splashes of white and then a slight gray background to the whole thing but yeah I, I i like you i think it's it's iconic it's well done it's a nod to uh, another classic album it's very very interesting um there's no uh, gatefold or anything with this one you've just got the uh, record itself there and then you've got the back cover uh which has the track listing there's five tracks on side 1 four tracks on side 2 and then you can kind of read it says white white snake would like to thank almost all the people at ridge farm for their cooperation and coping admirably with our complaints of mice and hippies um i'd like to really know the story behind um who they're who they're calling out for <laughs> not wanting to thank them somebody at ridge at ridge farm pissed them off um since they're not thanking that one person uh, Miranda and Maria for cooking and making beds space cadet and space kitten for words like wow. And far out. Um, and then they say the plow and Rusper for developing our Quasimodo impressions and Groucho marks stoop. So David Cardale talks about this. I think it's in Martin Popoff's book. Um, his white snake or his book on, um, um, white snake sail away. He says, uh, uh this was a reference to the pub they frequented with a low ceiling and beams. Coverdale says he is 5'8 and had to duck to avoid hitting his head. He said, many people got black eyes and cut cuts on their heads from banging them on the beams of this pub. So that's why they said they developed their Quasimodo and Groucho Mark stoops. Um, so there you go. Um, there's a bunch of other thanks there. And then, um, yeah, he says the sleeve concept was by David Coverdale and perhaps maybe somebody in the Beatles camp. <laughs> And the photo, the photography, uh, was by George Abad- Bodnar and the, and the insert for the album actually has, um, it's pretty cool. It's got, actually, let me, let me wheel my chair backwards. It's got on the insert here. Oof. It's got a lyrics and it's got some additional photography here. So you see like a, um, picture of Coverdale singing. Oh, nice. Who else is on the front with him? Uh, Neil Murray and John Lord, and on the back you got Moody Pace and Marsden for side two, which is, which is pretty cool. It's really nice uh, little sleeve there. So no gatefold, but you do have a cool sleeve. Um, that back.
3: Nice.
0: And uh, yeah, so pretty simple. Not a ton to talk about with the um, with the album art, but. Um, very nice. Photography again by George Bodnar. He had done albums for UFO. He did the Live in the Heart of the City album for Whitesnake, which is really cool. He also worked with Gary Moore, Iron Maiden, and more. So quite well, sadly, he passed away in 2011. All right. So before we get onto the tracks, we of course have to thank our core level patrons, starting with the brand new uh, tier of the $7.77 keep it warm rat tier with Michael Vader at the episode $6.66 tier Richard Fusey, Steve Coldwell and Arthur Smith at the $6.65 almost evil tier we have Kenny Wymore at the $5.99 nice price tier we have Fielding Fowler and Dr. Jill Brees and Big Breath for the $5 Money Lender tier we have Greg Sealby, John Convery, German Heindel, Adrian Hernandez, Jesper Elman, Alexi the Perfect Stranger Slepukov James North, Mark Hodgetts, Kev Roberts, Will Porter, Zwapper the Electric Alchemist, and Tim Southern Cross Johnson. And at the $3 Nobody's Perfect here. Peter Gardeau, Ian DeRosier, Mark Roback, Anton Glaving, Andrew Meyer, Duncan Leask, and Stuart McCord. Thank you to all of you for your amazing support of the Deep Purple Podcast. All right. That, that, that wraps that up, and now you know what time it is. It is time... To get into these here tracks of ready and willing are you ready or willing I'm, or ready and willing one or the other i'm ready and willing i'm and ready willing. i'm i'm ready I, well, i'm willing but i'm not ready i gotta just get the screen share. okay now i'm ready no but now i'm not willing anymore <laughs> well we're gonna we're gonna do it anyway <laughs> We get We get We got to get into this. We get gotta, on board, get, will you? Get the show on the road. All right. So it kicks off. Side one kicks off with the track "Fool for Your Loving." I really fade into the background with this album cover here. I always thought this sounded like ZZ Top. Neil Murray's bass is just the perfect snarl to it in this song oh
2: yeah this is wonderfully produced everybody sounds great on this track the first that I heard of this song was the nineties version.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. From same, same. slip
2: of the tongue. Yep. Which um I mean no no spoilers, but I like this one a lot better. Yep, yeah, I will uh it's
0: a lot more bluesy. Yeah, and the production on it just kind of agrees with me more.
2: It kind of makes me wonder why they redid so many of their songs later on. Well, not so many, but a couple of them. I mean, David Coverdale can't help himself.
0: He's always redoing and tweaking the songs. It's his catalog. I just feel like this song has
2: like so much character to
0: it, you know? It has a great chorus. This part is kind of deep purple. Almost sounds like like Perfect Strangers sort of sounding. So this song reached number 13 in the UK charts And it also hit the US Billboard Hot 100 at number 53 so I think this is their first oh. kind of breakout in the US <clears throat> And the guitar solo coming up on this one is by Bernie Marsden oh, okay I love
2: this guitar solo.
0: Of this backing vocals kicking so no
2: him oh, that's a that's such a great solo so melodic
0: funny this one's written by marsden coverdale and moody what's funny about that (laughs) i haven't got to that part yet and it's not actually that funny but uh you mentioned how it it sounds so much bluesier and marsden says they had written it for bb king um but when they did the the demo uh um, Martin Birch said, no, we we need to keep this for you guys. Because um, they re- re- really, really oh, yeah. like the track. So they didn't give it to BB King. Um, Maurice, I, could, I uh, could see that. Uh, mari said he, he came in when they were mixing it and they had turned down his bass and he was really upset. And he was like losing sleep over it. And he got a call from Martin Birch in the middle of the night saying, don't worry, I've turned your bass back up and fixed the issue <laughs> or whatever. So they kind of uh, co- corrected it. I don't know if it's one of those things where, you know, Ian Pace and Coverdale just keep... Cranking up the I know there was tales of that in the old D purple days you crank up the vocals, I'll crank up the drums, I'll crank up the bass when they were all had their hands on the on the mixer. But
3: mm-hmm. obviously yeah. you
0: let let Birch do his thing and you're gonna come out with a great final product. So
3: oh yeah.
0: So that's full for your loving, John. You give that five. One? Oh five. Kicking it off with a five from John. Did you make everything bold? Oh, yeah. No. Wait, maybe. <laughs> i don't know you did you made everything like, bold how did you do that there we go All see right.
2: i i don't know i'm f- like an old man with the- a <laughs> oh how did i do that i'm like an old man with the smartphone <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> where are my teeth <laughs> um what we t- <laughs> full for <laughs> your loving talking about <laughs> full for your loving back on track here um yeah, so, um, like I said, my first exposure to this song at all was the Slip of the Tongue version, which I thought at the time was was good. I mean, it is a good song, you know, mm-hmm. in itself, you know, it's, it's very catchy. But when I went back and heard the original version, which happens with pretty much every song that I hear, like a re-recorded version with, and then I hear the original, I always love the original so much more because... Yeah whatever the original first capture, it always appeals to me. And typically it's songs that are redone like in the eighties or, um, uh, uh, I'm saying the maybe the nineties or beyond and they were originally done in the seventies or eighties, you know, and I think it's just that, you know, it could be anything from like the analog production to, you know, just whatever went on, um, in the studio. But, um, this version, I think like everybody sounds great. Coverdale has some, um, there were some moments in there where we were like, we were talking, but I could hear him like, you know, he was just like hitting some like, it, it wasn't really hitting any crazy notes, but I mean, you know, you could, you know, the, the way that he like, you know, emoted some of the lines were like really the lyrics were just really like, you know, it's like Coverdale in his prime, you know, he was singing great the guitar solo. I love um, because I mean, I thought the Steve Vai solo was great on the, the future one.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but when I heard this one, this was like, really a much more like simplistic blue blues rock based solo that I could like latch onto. And I actually could like, when I close my eyes, I could like, I could like air guitar along with it. It's almost like I could like, I know how to play it mm-hmm. just by hearing like the scales that he's playing, you know, because that's in my wheelhouse,
0: that type of solo. Yeah. So. <laughs> I can imagine myself playing this one, the Steve Vai one. Not so much.
2: Yeah. Not I mean, even both, good in, <laughs> yeah, both good in their own way. Yeah. But I mean, you know, this was, I mean, you just said it right now. It was a song written by, like, blues rock guys that was originally meant for, like, a 100% blues musician. So, mm-hmm. you know, that makes sense that it's going to have that vibe to it. But it's a great opening track. I love it.
0: Yeah. And speaking of blues, Bernie Marsden just released his blues album, uh, Kings. Um a few days ago, as of recording this, it was really good. It's on Spotify if you want to check it out. It's really good. It's it's called Kings because he's doing all songs by um, Albert King, BB uh, King, and Freddie King, I think. And nice. uh, yeah, it's really interesting. God, he sounds great. He sounds like a young man. He sounds like a twenty year old guy. His, his voice sounds so like just good. Is it's, it's so clean and clear and good for him for keeping his voice up like that and his playing obviously is always good I'm gonna give this one a 4.5 really like it ah oh, it's bold what have you done to this sheet there we go um but for all the all the stuff that you you said I mean it's it's a great so great I love that chorus I love the solo I love the the feel of it it kicks off the album really well it's a great one there's no there's no two ways about it um all right so you know what that means. It's time to go on to the next track, which is "Sweet Talker."
2: Classic White Snake uh, double guitar thing going on there. Yeah, this is a
0: yeah cool intro. This couldn't sound more early White Snake. And th- I mean, you can see how they—they they think of this as like a deep purple sounding thing. You could co- picture Glenn Hughes coming delivering the next verse here, you know. It would sound—it would sound just like Mark yeah. Three. Yeah, it sounds
2: like um, what is it off uh, Burn or Stormbringer? Yeah. Uh, it's getting away yeah, it's from me right it- now, but yeah. Oh, God, this is gonna bother me. <laughs> You're not me gonna now. be able to hear
0: this song now. Is it Lay Down, Stay Down? Yes, do. Is it? Yeah, well, yeah, maybe. Play piano, but my fingers it might be
2: Lay Down, agree. Stay Down or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But the thing is, is that, like, you can tell that, like, you know, he's done this kind of song. He's done, like, you know, this style of song with White Snake on the previous couple of albums, like, the kind of, like, you know the, the the old time rock and roll feel, but it's like it it sounds like ratcheted up because you have Ian Pace in there now. You have John Lord in there together. You know, it's just like the the rhythm and the backing section is really strong. Speaking of John yep. Lord. He's always gotta be so crude. The bitch is in heat. <laughs> oh, David Coverdale.
0: <laughs> he's getting a little bit more. If the- it felt like he was a little more laid back on Fool for Your Loving, but he's he's going a little more crazy on this one. Yeah. You're kind of giving up any sort of possibility of radio play when you throw in that that line. <laughs> At least in 1980, uh, the bitches in, all right, forget it. Yeah, for, next. next.
2: <laughs> we can't put this
0: on. Maybe what we'll is this guy thinking? Our next track, yeah. That one was written by Coverdale and Marsden. So Sweet Talker, what do you think of that one, John? Uh, I'm
2: I'm going to give. Um, i can put it in there there we go i give sweet Talker a four another uh, another strong track i really like it even though it's um a little derivative as mm-hmm. we were saying um i still like it because um i don't know it's catchy there is like i don't know what to say you know i i probably give a little more points but as our white snake episodes have Proven the John Lord solo has left me wanting. Oh uh, yeah. It, to me, it wasn't long. It wasn't long enough. It wasn't loud enough. It wasn't John Lord. Yeah,
0: enough. and he doesn't. And he doesn't typically get a huge chance to shine that much in White Snake. Um, does a great job, but he's not. So, there's not a lot of yeah. solo opportunities. Um,
2: and I mean, let's say like in this song and the previous song, you can hear his presence in the song, like he's definitely thickening up the song and he's Mm -hmm. like, he's make, he's making his presence known. He's contributing to the band. He's, he's playing great, but the problem is, is that he's not getting any spotlight and that's, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, he will later, you know, if anybody's listened to one of our older episodes knows Mm -hmm. that one of my favorite Lord solos is on this album. Mm -hmm. So, um, but it's not in this song. So, um, a little, little shaving off a little, maybe half a point for that, but you know, it's a, it's a great song.
0: All right, so I'm gonna have to ask you: when you had that dandelion tea, is there anything else in there, like some vodka or a little grandpa's cough medicine? Why? Because look where you put the number for the on the spreadsheet. <laughs> it's like nutty. Even... Oh, there you go. You you put you put the you see that four way down there. Why? It's like way, it's like way below the last track. Like, see it, <laughs> just floating there. Like, it's not even close. <laughs> I'm like, you, you talked a big game about not drinking during the episode, but I guess, I guess he did some pre gaming. <laughs> I don't know how they got down know, there. That little guy. Don't worry about that little guy. Yeah, but get rid of him. Um. Uh, oh, no, but the real ones in there. It is the now. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's just this red what did you call it grandpa's cough call it medicine. Grandpa's glug, 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 little flask um i will um i will also give this one a four uh i think it's a really good and like you said it is kind of like a little derivative and in the hands or, or or in the hands of another band or or done with a little less uh we've talked about this this phenomenon again and again on the show, which is you take this kind of standard blues rocker and it can go a number of ways it can be just kind of uninspired low energy and just be like meh i could see i could easily see this getting a three but they they put so much energy into it and make it make it um more almost more than it deserves to be (laughs) because it's it's such a simple song but but they put such energy and passion into it that you can't help but rock out to it and really enjoy it well i mean you know you have like the little
2: uh, you know, touches in there too, like uh, you know, the cowbell coming in, like you know, at the in the chorus, and like the um, you know, the verses where they um, you know, he kind of does the mm-hmm. bah, bah, yeah, bah, you know, he does he those just, like is he doing like simple you know, chokes kind of there thing. or something?
0: Yeah, it's like yeah. it's
2: it's uh, it's just those little things that make a difference.
0: Yep, I agree. Well, we are moving on to the titular track, which is of course Ready and Willing. Another kind of ZZ Top sounding, <laughs> sounding track, right? <laughs>
2: yeah, when you, you know, when you say it, yeah.
0: Yeah, but this is like this is such a dirty riff. I love this. It's yeah, it's fantastic. And again, this is just like twelve bar blues, but but they're riffing it up.
2: Yeah, see, and like something like that right there. That's like a dynamic in there that like really
0: changes it up. So this song was written by Coverdale Pace Lord Moody and Murray. Everyone oh. but Marsden. Everybody. And yeah, Murray said this was written while Bernie Ooh. Marsden was on vacation. And so that's why we they came up with it without him. And Marsden uh. said that. Pace refused to put his name on the track because he'd get 2,000 pounds less if they did.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: There's a lot of talk in Popoff's book about the Bank of Pace. How he'd offer to lend people $20 but demand that they pay him back $25. They said that's kind of why he has a lot of money. He was very, uh, very smart about his... His money, his uh, financial he you interest. <laughs> yeah. Wow. To his friends, yeah. Sweet it's Sweet. So like normally on every album they had that one track and White Snake that everybody got credit on. But after Pace talked to Coverdale, Coverdale's like, yeah, you're right. We shouldn't give him credit on this one. But here comes Moody's <laughs> solo.
2: You know, it's funny because I hear, like, this solo and, to a lesser extent, the Food for Your Lovin' solo, and it's like, I almost feel like Ace Frehley could have played one of them, you know? Mm. Yeah. Because it's still that, like, you know, like you said, that 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 12-bar blues uh, pentatonic uh, type thing. But that's what really speaks to me, you know? That's what I love in my music, so... love how Coverdale isn't going too over the top with his vocals. He's kind of like.
0: Yeah, so far he's been pretty. He's kind of like laid back. He's almost like whispering it, you know? Yeah, he's been pretty. Uh, kind of like laid back. Pretty laid back on this album. You know? But still delivering an incredible performance, but he's not. He's not going for anything crazier. Oh, I hear that little cloud coming in. He's going, from Lord.
2: Sweet satisfaction. He's kind of like, you know. He's kind of like, you know, this kind of like sexy type of delivery, you know, like he's he's trying to seduce the listener. Yep. And
0: I mean, what else? What the hell else would he be doing? (laughs) Besides trying to seduce the listener? Yeah, exactly. That's what he does. He's always doing
2: something sex related. It's true. That's our boy. (laughs)
0: Long fade out on that one yeah it's kind of cool that they end with like a sweet satisfaction part it's like not really you'd expect them to go out like saying ready and willing and they just kind of switch it up a little bit but
2: yeah but i like that because like it doesn't you know you can't just go like
0: ready and willing ready and willing you know it's kind of like that call and response ready and willing sweet satisfaction yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> so dismissive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> ready and willing. Uh-huh. All right. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> All right. So, what do you? Uh, what do you grade? Ready and willing. The titular. ready the and willing. The
2: titular. The titular. Um, it's, um, it's a four for me, dog. Um, that's another, um, yeah, it's another, it's another great song. You know, it's like, I, I just love, um, like, there's just something about that riff. It's just, it's so like, just so down and dirty, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just like, it's, it's like, it's, it's seductive, you know, the way that he you know, because it's like, I feel like it's down here, you know, it's just like, it's very like low key. And he's like, when he's singing, that's the best way I could think about it is when he's going like, you know, he's go ready and willing, you know, it's almost like he's crooning or something, mm-hmm. you know, like he's, he's being like really seductive. And I mean, that's what this, you know, the songs are about is about like, you know, sex. So, I mean, you know, and sometimes he's really over the top about it, you know, like, he's like, oh, you know and other times he's just
0: like it's like the <laughs> like the wolf in the water brothers cartoon. Yeah. Oh yeah. oh oh.
2: Dong 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 with the hammer. And a bong. <laughs> but you know on. and other times he's like <laughs> you know and other times he's like um Peppy Le Pew. Yeah. Uh-huh. But um yeah, anyways um yeah, it's uh, it's another great song and I love um what did you uh, what was the the effect uh that John Lord was using the
0: It sounded like uh, a clavinet at the end. Like he was like
2: Yeah, yeah, kinda like yeah, like a Stevie you know, you Wonder
0: kind of vibe to it. Yeah, like
2: a clavinet type of thing. Yeah. So like if you heard it in a Glenn Hughes song, you'd be like, Yep. Yep. But um but yeah, I mean everything that like Lord is doing here is like um, you know, really giving the song a lot of depth, uh a lot of depth. Mm-hmm. Um, another great guitar solo, like I said, very like, you know, familiar to me. So I really enjoy it.
0: Um, thought it was great. Yeah. So far strong, like first three tracks. Yeah. Very strong. And I will uh, also give this one a four for the reasons that you stated. I don't know if I have anything to add, but it's it's a good solid, like like the early white snake albums are just like money in the bank, man. They're just so, um, so well done, so well written, so well produced Just the playing on it is just absolutely top notch um, it's hard to beat mm-hmm. um, alright, next track up is a solo Coverdale writing credit and this track is called Carry Your Load we'll get a bit of a flangey sort of start on the drums Right off the bat, this sounds I mean, like it could be on like. It down a bit. Could be on like North Winds or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now he's hitting Pepe <laughs> Le Pew with these lyrics. It's like, I take what <laughs> I want. It's like late in the evening. What are you going to do? It's like, Jesus. <laughs> Come down.
2: Yeah, you know, it is it is interesting that like when there's a solo Coverdale composition, you can tell and it sounds like his first two solo yeah. albums. Like it could have been on one of them because, I mean, obviously he wrote all those songs or almost all of them.
0: Yeah, I mean, even though Moody paired up with them on quite a few. But yeah, it does sound. Yeah, it has a specific sound to it. I know what I want, and it's close to what? You did he say close to the bone? Maybe. See, you did it. Yeah, Ow! I know what I know what I want, and it's close to the bone.
1: Control, Ooh.
0: A lot of uh, not so subtle innuendo in the song. All I want to do is put a little love in your heart. Wink, <laughs> wink. That guitar solo was Bernie Marsden Again So he's done All three solos so far? No, Mickey Moody did the solo On um, Ready and Willing Oh, okay Man, Neil Murray's bass playing And the sound of his bass is just Incredible on this album weird those like those like triplets that are those triplet like symbol crashes that Ian Pace is doing I think every song has faded out so far um no
2: I think I think Sweet Talker might have ended not faded out
3: it might have
0: all right, carry your load. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's where one hundred twenty-one episodes end. We don't care anymore. <laughs>
2: um, so um, I'll give this one a three point five. Um, honestly, didn't think it was. Um, never thought this song was particularly interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, little slow for my tastes. Yeah. Um, it doesn't didn't really do anything for me, you know. It's just kind of like I, I would say this is probably the first filler track as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned.
0: I say that's fair. I, I I would give it a three for the same reason. It's you know it's good. It's White Snake. It's all these great guys doing some great stuff. Neil Murray is just absolutely dominating the song with his bass fills and everything it was almost like neil were you bored you just like because he's just like boom, boom, he's doing these crazy fills all over the place and it's awesome i mean i love listening to it but yeah it did it, it, it's it seems like it it's it had the song had a lot of good parts but it could have used like something to jazz it up a little bit more but yeah i mean whatever it's a it's a, uh, it's, a it's a solid song just not a not super remarkable yeah. Speaking of super remarkable though the next track is a track that we um is he is redoing from his original white snake album which is blind man or blind men as we call it oh. blind men and oh, um boy. we 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 I purposefully have been avoiding listening to this version I have I can't remember the last time I heard this version because Um, I wanted to get more of a real-time reaction because I love the version of White Snake so much. Mm. Um, I'd be interested to see how this one will stack up to the original version. And we talked about how we kind of generally like original versions. Um, Let's see. Blindman off of Ready and Willing. A little bit like that little synth pad in the back from John Lord. I was
4: dreaming of the past. What a good time. Nevertheless, help me, Jesus.
0: Show the way. So, so far, pretty faithful. But just doing a little bit more with how they're picking out the notes and how he's playing Mm -hmm. that
4: synth.
0: Is the tempo with us a little bit quicker? I don't know if it's quicker or
2: slower, but there's, yeah, you know, there's definitely something different about the way they're playing this version.
0: Friend, the, um I like that synth patch that Lords using right there. The uh, this, I, I seem to remember the one on White Snake being a little longer. This one's only five minutes.
2: Yeah, I. Yeah, there, there must uh, the fade out must be not as long. or yeah. a Could Solo be. section. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, they might have tightened it up for this album. Might have been one of the ways that he wanted to, re, you know, revisit it. There's a classic Ian Pace drum roll there, mm-hmm. right into the second verse. Yep.
0: Talking about with Fool for Your Love, and it was about a nine year difference between the two versions. This one's only, he only did it three years earlier, he's already yeah, revisited. Weird.
2: yeah, weirdo. <laughs>
1: what a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Think doing a good job here of kind of keeping up that intensity build from the original, but it is interesting. It's just imagine like imagine if the Beatles like did help and then like did it again on the White Album. They're just like oh, we're gonna we're gonna take another stab at that one. <laughs> it's just such yeah, a, <laughs> it's just like a few years later to revisit something. It's it is an it's an odd choice
2: I mean my my guess is that he would like um
0: you know he probably felt like I
2: love this song so much I want another crack at it right you know with this great band of musicians that I have together now and it always seems like that is
0: his take like he's just he's his he always seems like well this is my band now I want to see how it sounds with this group of musicians which makes perfect sense live, but it, to me, it's always been odd that you would put it on an album again. I mean, unless you're
2: redoing a song that was uh, like um, like a hit on the charts or something like that to include on your album, your newer album to get it to sell, you know, like a familiar updated version of a familiar song but I don't think this song did anything no no I mean he does a lot of that now I think for him it was just artistic right yeah and I mean God love him for it you know I love love, uh, him redoing and revisiting all the old stuff these days yeah you know remastering remixing re-recording sure go ahead
0: And you probably would assume that given the success of his first two solo albums, that this would have been the first introduction of this song to a lot of fans, as this album, I'm sure, sold tons more than his first two solo albums. So a lot of people would have been exposed to this for the first time or would have been exposed to this for the first time going back into the catalog after discovering them. You know, a few years later, say. So, I'm sure a lot of people heard heard this, are more most familiar with this version. All right, Blindman. What do you think, John? This one is going to be tough for
2: me because I really um, don't love this version Uh at all. Um, It's it's such a great song, but this version of it is like doesn't even touch the original version. Um, as far as I'm concerned, there's just like, I think like him redoing this version, like took like everything that made the original out of of like special out of it. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, um, you know, forgive me for saying it, but like, you know, like John Lord's keyboard work on this, like does not like equal what was done on the first version of it. You know, it's just like all of that combined together the way that these guys would like played the song, like there were those little things in there, like, um, like, I think like timing wise and the way that they were playing the parts just wasn't the same. And, um, you know, that kind of like um, almost sterilized the song in my opinion. Um, but that being said, I mean, I love the song, so I'm still going to give it a four, even though I gave the original blind men a five on the Coverdale solo um but I can't give it any less because it's like I love the song but it's just like it doesn't hit me the same way it does on the Coverdale solo album. This one I think was a miss for them.
0: Yeah. Um I was thinking the same thing. A4. It's a great song. It's a good performance of the song. You know, you're trading Simon Phillips for Ian Pace, which is two pretty incredible uh, drummers. Uh, but yeah, it, it's got mm-hmm. a slightly different feel to it. I really like John synth work on this one. I'd have to listen to them a little bit more closely side by side to to, to, to see what the exact differences were. Because I think... Did Roger Glover play the synth on the Coverdale version? Um, We'd have to check, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. I know Tim Hinckley did like some Oregon. I don't know if there's any synth on that one or if it was just Oregon, but... At any rate, uh, yeah, it's yeah. I, I wonder if I'd heard this version, or if I was more familiar with this version, if I'd like it more. But I, I think there's something about that what he that moment in time that got captured on the original. That's that's very hard to touch. But it's a four, yeah. so it's not like I mean that's that's a really high rating because it is a truly great song. All right. It is time to flip this platter over onto side two, side B, whatever you want to call it. Um, And that track we are starting it off with is Ain't Gonna Cry No More. This is written by Coverdale Moody. Kind of sounds like a Led Zeppelin song to start off. Don't you dare make those comparisons. Well, I mean, you he know, he's exactly the same as oh, Robert okay. Plant, so indistinguishable.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, I will agree that sounds very. It zeppelin. does. It sounds very zeppelin. But, but when he starts singing, that's where the comparison then. Yeah. Well, when he's trying, doesn't sound like him at He's all trying to do the high right stuff. Now. Sometimes
0: he does, but. Eh, I don't buy it. <laughs> It's kind of cool to kick off the the second side of the album with this little acoustic intro here. Yeah, and it's, it's upbeat.
2: It has a really upbeat feel to it. I like
0: it. John, John Lord layering in that little like fluty sounding monochromatic synth. And now he's got the synth strings going on. yeah but it 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 sounded like it was in that territory we've we've been in before where it's like is this gonna go anywhere because it could have just continued doing that for three more minutes and it would have been like "Eh." but that was like the perfect yeah but i
2: mean and they also layered in a bunch of different sounds yeah
0: we've we've heard songs like that where that just kind of fizzled out before and this one's really picking up Yeah, and this went exactly where I wanted it to go. you hear that bass that bass is just like bebopping all over the place yeah he's uh he's just on fire on this album it's everything everything a great band should have in a bassist giving so much character to everything
2: I like this how they slow this down and they reincorporate this in it's like a bridge or something
0: Now, this is a moody solo. You can tell from the slide.
3: Nice.
0: That was really good. It was like almost too short a guitar solo. It left you wanting more, but in a good way. Yeah. I ain't gonna cry no more Those Marsden backing vocals there. Probably Moody too. I
1: ain't gonna
0: cry no more today Here we go. We got like another This ending part with the backing vocals it's they're mixing up in just enough new stuff to constantly keep it fresh. And now Lord's bringing in that little synth lead again. Very low in the background.
2: And that's what I like about songs like this. This one in particular is, is that they bring back a lot of themes, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, like, uh, you could hear the, like, Lord reintroduce that, that part in there. And, um, you know, it's, there are a lot of layers in there, you know, it made the song interesting where it could have just been like, you know, just another, you know, a snooze fest. Yeah. So I thought it was good. I like the kind of like, like I said, it just, it sounded really, it sounded upbeat, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I think this was a a absolutely brilliant arrangement on every level. Yeah, uh,
2: the arrangement was good. That's part of it. Whether
0: you cared for the song or not, you have to admit that the just all the different places it went and it it never allowed itself to get boring at any point. Like I, like I said, that beginning intro part, if that had gone on just a little longer, or if they had just tried, or if they brought that in at the end the exact same way, it would have been like a little stale. But they just gave you that. Right. It was like, oh, we're starting a new side of the album. We're starting fresh with just this little acoustic thing and with a little synth in it. And then, like you said, just kind of kicked in after a couple of minutes into the really cool hard rocker. I will also give this one a four because I give it a four. No. I didn't say. Oh, I gave sorry. It a four, but I give it. A- sorry, <laughs> so I was reading ahead. I put sorry, it in. John's like, I give, it I, give, I give it a four. I give it a four.
3: I give it a
2: four. Tried to sneak it, it in there. I did give it a four. Um, yeah.
0: Okay. Well, I also will give it a four, John. <laughs> kind of spoiled that one. Uh, but I'm yeah, first. I am mean, I'm, i I'm having a hard time so far. You know, other than Carry Your load, it's hard to go much lower than a four on any of these because it's just so well done. It's a very, very well done album.
2: You know, I will say that this predates like, you know, this, this uh, playing from this other player, but the, the slide guitar solo reminded me a lot of slide guitar solos that Mick Mars played in the eighties. Okay. Um, And I mean, it's a weird parallel to draw, but I mean, you know, if you hear like uh, any of the slide stuff that he does on theater of pain, um, that's actually exactly what it reminded me of. And I mean, you know, you, you, you know, you plug in like a you know, a Les Paul or a Gibson and you play slide on it. Sure, maybe you'll everybody'll sound similar. But I mean it's like it was kind of eerie. Like if you told me Mick Mars played that guest solo on there, it would have been like, really.
0: <laughs> I would have been I know weird combination. I would right? have been pretty surprised. Bob Deal played on this album. I didn't know that. Um <laughs> It's uh,
2: Bob <laughs> I
0: It's been a long time since I listened to Theater of Pain, so now I'm interested to listen to it uh, and see if I can draw those yeah, same parallels. That's, but that's
2: burned in, burned into my brain. That's burned into my brain. That's why, because that's the stuff that I just like. You know, all those bands of the, you know, things I just would constantly listen to. So I mean, when I hear that, you know, that kind of like '80s, like early to mid 80s slide guitar. I mean, it was only a five year difference between this album and the one that I'm referencing, but, um, that's definitely not yeah. a knock that's, at all that's because it's like, I thought it was a, a great solo. And I mean, I think that, you know, Mick is like a really underrated player, you know, just because he was in Motley crew, you know, I think a lot of people don't take him seriously,
0: but yeah, they're, they're, they're you know, definitely the a, a, a punch punching bag, especially lately. Um,
2: yeah. But I mean, you know, if you, you know, if you have like, you know, basically, you know, one great musician and a band of people that aren't really that great. I mean, you know. But one man's opinion.
3: Yeah.
0: All right. The next anyway. track up is uh, Love Man. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It sounds like a superhero. I'm Love Man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Bobby. <laughs> Cover Dale and. In tights yeah it's like it looks
2: tights with the big l on his chest yeah it
0: looks like somebody over there is hating what should we do well let's call love man hello lovies <laughs> love man is here love man i blind- don't think
2: that's how coverdale meant it <laughs> love man yeah, yeah, he's blind. love man blind yeah.
0: blind man and love love man <laughs> love is blind and love is man. All right, here we go. Love man. A little slow, slinky so little into blues y'all. number.
2: Yeah, we're getting into, like, the the real blues
0: now, you know? This one is... written by Coverdale solo, which is interesting. But, I mean, even the guitar
2: solo was less blues rock. It was more straight-ahead blues, which just shows you what talented players these guys are. Oh my goodness.
4: <laughs> Did
3: he
2: say he spent 16 years watching her little flower grow? Did I hear that right? Oof. I,
0: I think I was zoning out during that part. <laughs> I, I mean, I have well, no I'm sure he tr- didn't say 60 six years. Six zero. <laughs> it's about a 60-year-old woman that he wants to... <laughs> oh, brother. Teach about the birds and the bees. I mean, well, how old would he have been at this point? He would have been in his, like, early 30s. So maybe he, he spent... 30s, six, yeah. He spent 16 years, but he started when she was 16. Let's just... Although it's still creepy if you're watching from I don't feel like
2: that. doing the math
0: Yeah, It's best probably not to do the math <laughs> <laughs> yeah, He says I've been spending close on 16 years Watching your pretty flower grow Ouch Oh my goodness
2: yeah, He's a love man all right He's uh, going to be a prison man. He's going to be walking into a house, and uh, Chris Hansen's going to walk out north (laughs) from some sweet tea.
0: (laughs) Or some dandelion tea. If he keeps this. (laughs) Hey, why don't you have a... No, 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 why don't you have a seat? Why don't you have a seat? I I brewed some dandelion tea.
2: Let me read these transcripts. (laughs) Who are you here to meet today? You're free to leave at any time.
0: Maybe he's writing this from the perspective of know that the of- uh,
2: Fairfield police will be outside waiting <laughs> for you, uh, <laughs> screaming at you like um, like you're having a assault weapon. But um... <laughs> <laughs> that was a wild solo. Like I mean he went all the way up the fretboard on that one. Do it all I can.
1: I just live to tease. I would get down on my knees for ya. Just for you baby. I'll get
4: down. So come a little closer. Let me
0: are like, he's getting biblical here. <laughs> All of a sudden, he's... Oh. Uh, yeah, but you know what? For some reason, with with the, him writing the lyrics and him singing it, he can he can get away with it. Well, I mean, it's a long line of rock and roll tradition of this inappropriate subject. <laughs> yeah, but
2: I mean, it's it's like... It's really literal. He's just like the honey and the bluebirds and the bees and the flowers and the snake and the apple. And it's like, he's being very literal. Yes. It's like, not everybody can pull it off without you going like,
0: listen to this hack.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, you know, or you're just laughing at it. Like it's spinal tap or something, you know, yeah, we've
0: talked about this before, but if you, if you're a truly great singer, you can say any old nonsense and it's, you can make it. If you can emote the way that he does, You can make any, you can make, and honestly, the lyrics are, are decent, but it's uh, other than some of the questionable beginning lyrics. But if if you emote and and put that much passion into it, you can make really cheesy lyrics sound good. And generally Coverdale's lyrics are pretty good. So,
2: yeah, but I mean, also, I mean, knowing his personality, like he could pull these off. Yes. You know, because he says everything like, you know, he's tongue in cheek. He's got a great sense of humor. He's over the top. You know,
0: so yeah. Well, if you just yeah, I think I, I, if you if yeah. you to, to <laughs> update to update this for a more a more sensitive age, if you just get rid of that first line about close on sixteen years watching your pretty flower grow. Overall, it's a pretty run of the mill love song lyrics. But, well,
2: yeah, of course. I mean, you know, go go back to you know. Elvis, the
0: Beatles. Jerry Lee Lewis. You you name it. I mean, everybody, everybody had something like that. Exactly. So, you know that
2: typically I don't like songs like this.
0: Yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking place in line. (laughs) Some of the kind of (laughs) same hallmarks as that, but. No, but you know what? This one, I don't know.
2: Something about this one works for me. Four. Oh my goodness! You know it's um, yeah. I don't. I I don't know. It's like this is one of the ones where they hit the mark. You know because I yeah. just think that these these players like they know they know this music. I mean, who do you know who did the 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 opening kind of guitar solo? I think Moody did think all this, was, the solo um, work on this, on this one.
0: I think it was all Moody.
2: Okay. Well, I mean. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Moody is like he's a he's a true blues player because I mean, you can tell, like the way that he held those notes and the way that he played that—that that was like straight blues, as opposed to. I mean, it's interesting. It, rock. It,
0: it says Moody here, but that that intro to me sounded more Marsden, whereas the slide guitar later sounded Moody. But it just credits Mickey Moody as the guitar solo, so.
2: Well, I mean, whichever one of them, I mean, the, the solo in the middle sounded more like it was like a blues, like a blues rock solo, but the beginning of it, it sounded more like it came off like a straight ahead blues album. And, you know, not a lot of like rock players I think can pull that off. Like, I mean, you know, you can play a bluesy scale, but not, you know, really be in touch with that. So I think that these, these guys are like really like this is what white stakes foundation was, you know, they were built on like, you know, a bluesy mm-hmm. foundation, you know, blues music, you know, they're, you know, good players and, um, uh, great players rather. And, um, yeah, that's why this song works. And they put the, you know, the kind of the, the, the passion behind it, yep. you know, Absolutely. so even though it's a little basic, like I still enjoyed it, it doesn't have to be groundbreaking. Right.
0: All right, I will give this one a 3.5. I also enjoyed it. I thought it was a competent, well-done blues rocker. Um, it was a little it was like over 5 minutes long. So it was like a little long, but overall I think it was a very enjoyable track. It's kind of dynamically breaks up the second side of the album from kind of a rocker into the more of a more laid-back blues number. But That's my thoughts on it lyrics aside Um, and the next track up is the track black and blue oh jesus is that the people in the studio clapping one of your favorite things (laughs) yeah except they're
2: clapping on the way in instead of the way out Yeah, usually
0: it's after the song ends they all clap they applaud themselves This reminds me of something that could be on a White Snake or a Coverdale solo album. And you're constantly hearing in the right channel here, you're hearing chatter and clapping and yeah, yeah. That's another thing that I
2: don't really love in most rock songs that do that, where they have like the the people partying in the studio yep. during the song. He did this on his solo album too. Yeah. Yep. I don't know if it was like uh, Goldie's Place or one of those songs mm-hmm. where there were people yeah, in the background like woo! But- yeah!
0: yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> I think it was Goldie's Place. Uh, this one is written by Coverdale and Moody.
2: I mean I'm not gonna lie it's catchy I mean I'm enjoying it. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> well, the, the
0: racket in the background? Yeah, it's still going on. Usually they just open or close the song with it, but it's just going through the whole song.
2: Midnight Wine. That's the best type. I said,
1: come over here, baby.
0: I I'm Does this song just, Ooh. like, about rough sex? What's... I mean, come on. Yes. (laughs) Come on, Nate. Grow up. (laughs) (laughs) Love
2: me till I'm black and blue. He likes it. He likes it. He's ready and
0: willing. (laughs) He's rough and ready. Here's John Lord's solo here.
2: That was a that was a cool solo. Great I love piano when Lord solo. plays the
0: piano. Just yeah. Same same. Just too short. But obviously yeah. he's doing some little fills here after after the fact. But. Not so fast. Fake you out, baby. Song interesting different. What what's different? Well, having the
2: crowd noise come in at the beginning, having it go all the way through, oh, and then and fade then doing out the yeah. false ending, and then fading it out instead of them like black and blue, and then you're, yeah, and then they do like a
0: concert, and dun, 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 <laughs> dun, dun,
2: yeah, usually it's you know different, but
0: this song reminds me yeah, of a song by Ween called Powder Blue, which is. You know, it has the word blue in it, mm. but it's actually very similar, which uh, the ween song came out about 15 years later. So um, it's possible they were inspired by this song, uh, but it's got a very similar vibe to it. Um Don't know if there's any ween fans out there, but very unusual band. They had a song called uh, an album called 12 Golden Country Greats, where they like went to Nashville and just hired mm-hmm. a house band and wrote all the songs and then just gave them the arrangements and did like a country album. Um, mm. but it's like, there's right. their standard mix of very bizarre songs and odd lyrics and downright offensive, <laughs> weird things <laughs> that they just, <laughs> they're very, <laughs> they're a very, um, profane and just unusual band. Uh, but hearing all of their mm. like weird trademarks, being backed up by a like a, a Nashville house band, which you can kind of go to Nashville. And if you got the money, you can hire an incredible band to back you up, uh, which they did. Um, it's kind of an interesting, interesting album. But anyway, that song kind of reminded me of that. Um, cool. All right, so Black and Blue. What do you think, John? I got to give it a four. This is an I album mean, of it, fours.
2: On the... Sur- Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, on the surface, it sounds like it would be a filler track, Mm -hmm. but I actually like it. You know, I mean, I think like, you know, even though like the crowd, (laughs) it's actually like it was, but I mean, it was subdued in the back to the point. I mean, that's where Martin Birch comes in. This is like, I think he mixed that in at the right level where it wasn't annoying it wasn't
0: yeah it wasn't and you didn't it wasn't constantly like badgering you with with its presence it was you just hear it very lightly in the background yeah if they if they had raised that up just even a little bit it could have been super annoying
2: right i mean that's where the kind of the the brilliance of that comes in is is that it it just kind of became part of the tapestry of the song so you almost didn't notice it and um yeah, I, I just like I, I like that, uh, you know, uh, John Lord got a piano solo is really appropriate for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I kind of like the fake ending and the fade out, which I wasn't expecting for a song like this.
0: Yep. But yeah, good playing all around. Yeah, I, th- I think I'll give this one a, I'm using the wrong keyboard here. I'll give this one a four is what? Well. <laughs> What's so funny? Could you Because, like, could your voice go any higher? You're
3: like, <laughs> give
0: this one a four, too. Um,
3: it's
0: been a long week. I will give this one a four. Usually we record mm-hmm. these shows at the beginning of the week. but I spent the beginning right. of the week at the hospital, so we are doing this at the end of the week.
2: And also the end of the evening, as we're now of the, the night. <laughs>
0: Sometimes we my time, do, so do these things a little too late. So, yeah, Let's I'll give it a four, up, not a heck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> so the final we've we've recently reviewed a song called "She's a Woman" from the Wizards Convention. This is once again a song called "She's a Woman," but it is a different tune by the band White Snake. So here we go, the album closer. She's a woman. Speaking of the like clavinet, John Lord featured in here. Bringing some more clavinet back. Like interesting trading that place between it's the weird. between the synth and the keyboards and the guitar. Like trading off places here. Spoiler alert, what a way to end an album, this song. Yeah.
2: Rockin'. Love when the guitar kicks in. There he goes. Yeah! I love the way the song drives.
0: Yeah, it's very driving. <laughs> oh, she, she ain't black. I but don't she, know what
2: to make of that.
0: <laughs> she ain't black, but she got soul. <laughs> it's very
2: like this. This whole album would have been canceled if it came out this year with those lyrics that he's yeah had on here. It's
0: a, it's a different time.
2: You know that, and the 16-year-old flower,
0: and oh my goodness. Yeah, some problems. I don't know what shine like silver, burn like gold means, but it's a cool line. Here it comes. Yep.
2: Oh finally John Lord gets a kick-ass solo. Would have been right at home on
0: Mark Mark IV. Also sounds like actually sounds like it could have been on Who Do We Think We Are.
2: Yeah, but well, listen to that. What a really interesting choice to have this in here, like in this kind of song, like this kind of solo.
0: And interesting that they ended the album with two songs in a row with keyboard solos versus guitar solos. Yeah. Smile, but
2: even at the end, they're in the outro when you hear them sing She's a Woman and you hear a Lord come over it again. It almost has this kind of dissonant feel to it, which is what I think makes it really interesting. I call like the Stormbringer
0: keyboard. Yeah, yeah, he's probably using the same uh, that an ARP Odyssey or something. Not sure. I'm sure, one of our listeners will tell me I'm an idiot for thinking that and we'll learn. That's how we learn. I love he just goes yeah, going he's going nuts crazy at, at the, the end. end. Like ah, you Ugh. cut off. I wanted to hear what he was doing. Maybe there's oh, a man. there's a there's a studio version of that that goes on another two minutes of John Lord just cutting loose. We can only oh, hope. We can only wonder. All right, she's a woman, John. Do I even need to ask? Five. I knew it. You One, kinda... two, three, four, five. <laughs> Thank you for. Letting me know how you got there. Um. (laughs) I mean, that's like, uh,
2: I mean, I said it all. I mean, like based on John Lord's performance alone, five, you know, I mean, it's like when when I hear that song and I hear that solo and I still get goosebumps when I hear it, Mm -hmm. it's like, like you can't, you can't not, you know? And I mean, plus like, I mean, I love songs like this where it's like when you really still like after a while, I thought about it. I'm just like, that's just like a really... Like odd choice to like not have a guitar solo in there to have a keyboard solo to have a keyboard solo with that effect on yeah. it to have it like you know be juxt- juxtaposed with his vocals in that way it's just it's not a, a like a regular choice you know no. and that's what makes it really cool you know it's like that's what music is about you know not just doing. I mean, there's some stuff on here where you're like, yeah, that's a kind of the same old stuff, you know, like love man is, you know, typical, you know, you have some typical stuff on here and then you have stuff like this. Love man. Which, which <laughs> I am love man. Lock up your daughters. It's love man. <laughs> but we're talking about she's a woman, which is also, well, I mean, you know, I guess we're all in the same thing here, but. Yeah, uh, fantastic song and I and I mean I mean come on I'm biased too. I mean I love the fact that John Lord gets the spotlight like a bunch in this song and then like the song fades out with him going like berserk.
0: Yeah. And you know making you want more. It's a great way to end the album. Yep. I agree. It's a great great ending. I'm going to give this one a 4.5. It's a very Ooh. very strong closer. <laughs> Um, Yeah, I don't know there's something that doesn't quite take me to five on this one but I I think it's an awesome track great chorus great all the stuff about John Lord what more is there to say than what you said about John Lord just phenomenal to see him in the spotlight towards the end of the album and all the great stuff he brings to it so really really cool stuff alright so before we get to the ratings here We, of course, have to do one more thing, and that is to thank our foundation-level patrons. Coming in at the $1 made-up name tier, we have Els Murders, Spacey Noodles, The Untightened Leaky Mausoleum, Stephen Somerville, The Concerto 1999 Fanatic, Rafcalf, Spike the Rock Cat, J.J. Stenard, Hank the Tank, and Flight of the Rat Bat Blue Light. Thank you to all of you for your continued, dedicated, amazing support of the Deep Purple Podcast. All right, John, where does Ready and Willing stack up in the album catalog here? Ready and Willing
2: got a combined rating of 8.11, which puts it squarely between Trapeze, You Are the Music, We're Just the Band. It's a little higher than that. And exactly the same rating as Rainbow, Straight Between the Eyes. Mm. And one above that. Interestingly enough, is David Cardale's white snake, Snake Bite. So it's
0: very close to an,
2: another white and snake. And then if you album. want to
0: go one down in the other direction, you've got Captain Beyond's first album. So it's in very good company.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's like that kind of like sweet spot of like really good albums that we mm-hmm. that we like and enjoy. You know, it's it's definitely like in the top, um, you know, looks like the top percentile, like, you know, the top third of like you know, albums that, uh, that we like. And I mean, I kind of anticipated that. So it's, um, it's number, I mean, I knew how much that I enjoyed this album.
0: It's number 23 out of 67 albums we've reviewed. So it's in the upper third Mm -hmm. almost. Ah, that's what I said. Yeah,
2: Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. But yeah, I think um, overall a really uh, a really great album. I mean, I, I don't think like you know nothing nothing really groundbreaking on there. Nothing that really like you know what I mean. Like I can't can't say that there's anything groundbreaking on here in terms of like you know playing or songwriting. But just a really solid, enjoyable effort with uh, you know a bunch of great musicians on. Yep,
0: absolutely. Well. Uh as we talked about earlier, we talked about chart position, but this is the first white snake album to chart outside the u k The album went gold in the u k selling more than hundred thousand copies uh, both Mickey Moody and Bernie Marsden credit this album as their favorite white snake album they should so um wanna wanna get into some reviews. We got a few reviews here. oh okay. I've done that in a while um so we've got yeah. here. We've got a little ad for the the the, the traditional belt snake <laughs> that they would kind of bring in sometimes. It was like a a, a snakeskin belt where they made the the belt look like a snake. That's a little ad. Um, okay. We've got this one. This this review in the Record Mirror, uh, which is not super favorable. It says, uh, "Swaggering Coverdale, the John Wayne of heavy metal." says just the thing to compliment a sunny thursday morning this is a glorious celebration of broken love coverdale sounding like a wounded bullfrog in desperate need of a mate um cheers applause take a bow you're good now for at least 10 years i don't know where they're getting from that it doesn't sound complimentary um so, sounding like a wounded bullfrog doesn't sound doesn't sound super complimentary no that's unless
2: that's complimentary in other countries i don't
0: know <laughs> in other cultures the bullfrog is regarded as um one of the most beautiful sounds um this <laughs> one when it's wounded <laughs> just oof um this one is called it says butch bonanza white snake extremely sexist old men <laughs> this one's by jeff barton <laughs> who we've uh we used to call him jeff three stars barton but he gives this one four, four stars despite the uh The caption on that photo, this one says, although the album's cover is no love hunter, there's enough sexist action on the lyric front to keep our feminist friends frothing at the mouth for some time to come, I'd say have to agree with them there white snake have always been the bullseye in the liberated women's dartboard and it's easy to see why band leader david coverdale with his in-concert wolf howls and on album demands for his baby to love him till he's black and blue is a front man of the hard rocking chest beating gorilla archetype a dying breed in these wimp out days more is the pity but what the hell it's all no action, tongue-in-cheek innuendo. Anyway, nothing to really get uh, hot under the collar about. The album closes with a duo of disappointments: "Black and Blue," and the usual White Snake good-time barroom honky-tonk along, and the only side to the band I actively dislike. And she's a woman, too crass and over the top and straining even for these ears. But even so, well worth four stars of anyone's whoa. typewriter. Wait a minute, All right? Who's this <laughs> clown?
2: We've encountered he told him many me that times. My five star song is not good. Yeah, he still gave the album four
0: stars, though. Hmm. But yeah, he did not like your uh no, she's well, a I woman mean, song. you know, he's
2: Yeah, well, he's not he's not wrong about it being like, you know, sexist.
0: No, there's plenty of sexist or problematic lyrics. That's for sure. But
2: Yeah, well just, like if you got in a time machine and hopped ahead 40, 40 years later, you know, they wouldn't uh be surprised no. at how quickly this uh, everybody, everybody would have been canceled.
0: <laughs> canceled.
2: Cancel um, culture.
0: <laughs> Very topical, John. Um, this one is by <laughs> Dane Bonuto. He gives this. They give them. This is five pluses, so that's pretty good. With ready and willing, though, what you uh, the what you expect is what you get—an album of diamond hard rock, not HM, meaning not heavy metal, played with skill, verve, and above all, feel. And I was actually thinking about that earlier. Like, White Snake often gets lumped in as heavy metal, and I guess that was even a problem then. But to, to even consider this hmm. album being heavy metal even in the least sounds just kind of crazy because it's just not yeah the same thing is kind of ridiculous they say not. the same thing about deep purple and it's like they're not really heavy metal they're it's a rock band but anyway uh blind men a song from coverdale's first solo album is given the truly titanic treatment it deserves in fact the only thing i don't care for is the sleeve which is functional rather than eye-catching give me a glossy gatefold with a free sew on patch and musical lawnmower offer any day but then i suppose that just goes to show that you can't always tell a book or a record by its cover five pluses and work Hmm. pretty good review All right. the melody maker has this review by frank worrell um uh but i'm at a loss as to why the lyrics are so self-indulgent and childish and more so when coverdale follows with two effervescent songs full of poignant reflections blind man is a rueful ballad accepting life's uncertainties. Ain't Gonna Cry No More stoutly defies pessimistic thoughts with a dynamic change of speed in the middle. Unfortunately, the group then returned to the Me, Tarzan, You, Jane uh, stat closing with three songs glorifying man's physical prowess. Again, the music is classy and the content caused for concern. Eh, fair enough. I like the Me, Tarzan, Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good one. Um this one is four stars from uh, chart song words it's it's kind of uh, not as into that just kind of talks about the album cedar rapids gazette um says Ready and Willing is an album that shows off superb rock band just entering its prime. White Snake is a group experience with skill and with the ability to know how to use their talents with variety, taste, and dynamics. All nine tunes on Ready and Willing are White Snake originals and everyone is a gem. The biggest problem I have is picking out the record's highlights since it's all stand out from beginning to end. All right, Pam. Pam Furling? Really brought it home. No problem. She looks like she'd be like,
2: I don't know, like she doesn't look like she'd be writing for rides. she would be like, here's this meatloaf recipe. Yeah. Or so,
0: yeah. The, the picture definitely has a vibe of like, uh, yeah. Or like, like a rest or a recipe corner, Pam's recipe corner. Maybe she did that too. It's, you know, it was the Cedar Rapids Gazette. I'm sure you had to be a Jack of all trades or a Jane of all trades as it were. Um, so here's actually an interesting article And these articles. All Yorg sent me all of these, of course. Uh, this one is a, uh, um, an interesting article uh talking about uh basically the bogus deep purple and mm-hmm. coming uh, coming into town and and it, it, they mention ready and willing but they're talking about the bogus deep purple as well um newport news the daily press ready and willing strikes me as a down and dirty blood sweat and tears without the horn section or an english bob Seeger in the silver bullet band White Snake hmm. is a powerful band that pays attention to detail. Ready and Willing is nine numbers performed powerfully. Ready and Willing, uh, a strong album by a group that has, uh, has to live down a celebrated past is not a rehash of what Blackmore provided for Deep Purple. It may not be new, but the approach for the former... Uh, it may not be new, but the approach is for the former famous trio. So there you go. And then, nice. I think this is the final one. The Des Moines Tribune, uh, right here, says uh, White Snake, the blues based rock band featuring three former members of Deep Purple, should not be confused with the Rod Evans led aggregation currently billing itself as Deep Purple. This was going on at the time. Um, Thanks. And then it's a quote from deep per- uh, quote from Coverdale. He says, we're one of the biggest bands in Europe boasts the feisty long haired Englishman and will be bloody frightening when we come to the colonies finally get a look at us. So there you go. Funny. That he's referring to the U S as the colonies. Mm-hmm. So there you have it. That's what they were talking about at the time with ready and willing when it came out. Um, some some observations that we made present day were already being made in nineteen eighty. So there you go. Yep. All right. Anything else to add before we wrap up this evening? This late, late evening. Um,
2: no, great album. Nothing left to say. It's Coverdale. What's not to love? Exactly.
0: What's not to love about David Coverdale? The age-old question. All right, my friend. Well, with that, I will bid you adieu until next week when we meet up again to talk about yet something yes, else Deep Purple related.
2: Yes, sir.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, we need to get some rest. Yeah. <laughs> All All right, night. good night. Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening.
2: I'm right here! Kill me! Kill me, I'm right
0: here! I'm right here!
3: What the fuck are you? (laughs)